Yes. Hello, thank you for joining us for this podcast interview with Diana Mendez Rojas. We're going to discuss her doctoral research on the history of agricultural knowledge during 1940 to 1980 in Mexico. Diana, we appreciate you taking the time to share your work and experience with us. Could you introduce yourself for the audience? Thank you very much, Jordan. Before I introduce myself, I want to tell you that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be part of this series. I think it's great the dissemination work you do around global history. Now, I introduce myself. I'm Diana Mendez and I live in Mexico City. I completed my bachelor's studies in Latin American studies at the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México and later obtained my master's degree and PhD in modern and contemporary history from the Instituto de Investigaciones, Dr. Jose Maria Luis Mora. I defended my dissertation last July, and since August, I joined the Centro de Estudios del Movimiento Obrero y Socialista as a research associate. Through my three dissertations, I have explored different forms of macrohistorical analysis, such as comparative, connected, and transnational history perspectives. Among them, I have centered my attention on transnational history, understanding it as the one that follows historical processes that are constructed in the crossings of frontiers and in the itineraries of actors that are defined in them. Excellent. So uh, yeah, my first question is, <clears throat> if you could tell us about the topic of your dissertation research, tell us a little bit more about it, and just give us an overview of what you cover. Thank you very much for the question. My dissertation is entitled Modernizing Agriculture, Mobilizing Ideas, Trajectories of Rockefeller Foundation Fellows in Agricultural Science in Mexico between 1940-1980. In this research, I seek to answer what was the role of academic exchange in agricultural modernization, what were the qualities of the experts who promoted the Green Revolution, and what was the relationship between this process and the professionalization of agricultural science? To address this question, I examined the conditions of reception and appropriation of the fellowship program following three stages of the trajectories of 214 Mexicans. That is, the phase prior to the assignment of the fellowship, the period as students in the United States and their professional activity in Mexico after the culmination of their education. In this way, I look at the dynamics that favored their mobility, return, and labor reinsertion, together with the configuration of a profile as an experts. I explain that the meeting of states' philanthropic and guild interest allowed the student flow and transnational links to become the specific social forms that mobilized the Green Revolution from the intellectual spheres in the United States and turned Mexico into a laboratory of expertise for Latin America. That is, into a training center for students and professionals from other countries. For example, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Colombia, and Brazil. Okay, great. Um... Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting project. Um, I was wondering what about this 
uh, like what attracted you to this project? Why did why did you decide to to study this green revolution and uh, agricultural knowledge in Mexico? What an important question. Thank you very much. I decided to undertake this research because I wanted to contribute to expand our knowledge about the process of modernization of agriculture in Mexico during the period in which the Green Revolution emerged as a model based on the intensive use of agrochemicals and experimental seeds. In general, this period of Mexican history has been explained by historiography on a national scale and with an emphasis on economic analysis. Thus, my research contributes by relating the study of agricultural modernization and international academic exchange to highlight the role of experts in the practice of agronomy in Mexico along with their experience. My dissertation links the trajectories of the fellows with transformations that occurred during a period in which the agrarian reform, understood as a massive distribution of land, tended to conclude in order to move towards an intensive conception of the process of agrosocial change that was based on the development of technological and human capacities. This was a moment in which science and education acquired a major role. So, the education of these individuals, the Rockefeller Fellows, at the graduate level in the United States was relevant in increasing the number of specialists dedicated to modernization. Their professional activity also influenced the constitution of the Green Revolution as a transnational process linked to the Second World War and the Cold War. Um, okay, so I was wondering what methods, like what sources did you use to, to basically be able to look into this project a little bit deeper and uh, you know, basically form the basis of, of your doctoral research? What a nice question. Thank you very much. My research aimed to bring together sources collected in repositories in Mexico and the United States. In Mexico, the most important repositories were the Archivo General de la Nación, the Centro de Estudios del Movimiento Obrero y Socialista, and the Biblioteca Miguel Lerdo de Tejada. In the United States, the documentary work was centered on the Rockefeller Archive Center, the University Archives of the University of California at West. The Special Collections of North Carolina State University. From these collections, I retrieved official documentation, administrative reports, scientific reports, letters, photographs, academic records, press, specialized bibliography, and scientific writings prepared by Mexicans. As my dissertation emphasizes the experience of the Rockefeller Fellows, I also conducted interviews guided by oral history methodology with the former fellows and their sons. This was very important to learn about their experience and assessment of their own trajectories. In addition, I must say it was one of the most pleasant moments of the research process. Finally, I would like to say that my research contributed to the creation of the Rockefeller Fellows as Heralds of Globalization Database, a project coordinated from Switzerland by Dr. Ludovic Tourné and funded by the Swiss National Science Foundation. 
It is a project in which different researchers and students participate. And we hope soon officially release this database that systematizes the information of all the fellows sponsored by the Rockefeller Philanthropy. More or less 10,000 individuals. As I have tried to point out, the process of conducting this research constitutes a material contribution to the study of academic exchange and modernization through the creation of sources and instruments that recover the memory of former fellows and systematize information about their trajectories. Okay, so I have a few questions about uh, just some of the things you've mentioned. Sure. Uh, so first, I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your experience and experiences in these different archives. Thank you for that question. Well, I, I must say that I really enjoy working on these uh, repositories and archives. Um, I was uh, granted by different institutions. Uh, first of all, uh, by Consejo Nacional de Ciencia y Tecnología in Mexico, and later on by um, Rockefeller Archive Center and Secretaría de Relaciones Exteriores de Mexico. The grants that I received allows me to um, stay in the in these places uh, for a couple of weeks and to take the time not, not just to take photographs and to recover material for um, later processing, but also to have the experience of learn and read the sources in, in place. Um, this was a, an advisement that I received from one of my professors who said to me that it was really important to take the time to read sources in place in order to have a better idea of how these collections were constructed, but also to have uh, keynotes in order to, to start later um, constructing the narrative of the dissertation. So probably if I have not um, incorporate this strategy, I, I have the opportunity to look for more um, sources, but at the end, uh, I complete the, the consultation of a corpus that I, I was able to work on. Great. Uh, sounds like some helpful advice. Um, so I was going to ask a little bit more about oral history as well. Uh, I was wondering if you could just talk us Talk to us about that experience of doing oral history. Well, this was the best part of, of my research process. I was able to conduct 11 interviews. Um, I started doing this during the pandemic. Um, so my interviews was made uh, remotely. Most of them by internet and by phone calls. Uh, and it was really interesting because the former fellows are about 19, 95 years old. So for me, it was like an intergenerational experience, very enrichment for, for me. Um, they tell me a lot about how they interpreted their trajectories uh, through the process of Green Revolution, but also shows me how their trajectories 
can be explained just by this process and exceed the, the um, narrative of this topic. So they give me clues of how to expand the argument of my dissertation, looking outside of their trajectories and connecting um, the modernization of agriculture with a um, discourse of how Mexico in get involved in nationalizing um, the expertise, agricultural expertise, and how this have an impact in um, other regions in Latin America. How the knowledge that were produced in Mexico can become also important for modernization process in parts really far from Mexico, like India, or even in in China. It sounds like it was a really useful experience to use the use the oral histories there. And so I'm going to go back to the focus of the dissertation itself now. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us about what are your main arguments in your dissertation and like what are your main findings? Well, my main argument is to explain that the transnational expertise of the fellowship holders sustained in relationships and or in advanced degrees did not generate permanent migratory process, but rather the constitution of assets for the creation of endogenous capacities in Mexico. There was no, no process of brain drain since there were mechanisms devoted to their labor reinsertion that were favored by the quality of these individuals as mediators between Mexican U.S. and Latin American academic institutions. In fact, the academic exchange that developed from the Rockefeller Foundation Fellowship Program supported the creation of a transnational network of experts who dedicated their social, economic, and cultural resources, time, and energy to the establishment, maintenance, and use of connections. Together, this mobilization flow disseminated ideas and projects associated with the Green Revolution in dimensions that would not have been achieved by individuals or institutions in isolation, not even by the Rockefeller Foundation. And that, and that was something that I was really interested in set. Great, sounds really interesting. Um, so, my, my next question is about kind of how these arguments uh, relate to kind of the wider knowledge that we have on this topic. So how does this research change the way that we think about your topic? Thank you very much for that question. Um, we generally think about the history of the Green Revolution from narratives that put Rockefeller Foundation scientists at the center, such as the well-known Norman Burlock. And we know little about how local Mexican expertise shaped the Green Revolution. In this sense, my research demonstrates that Mexicans took a very active part in the creation of the Green Revolution from the production of known knowledge, for example, related to the biology of maize, and at the same time explains that Mexico was a training center for other Latin Americans who adapted the Green Revolution model to different circumstances. 
In other words, I show that agrarian authorities in Mexico, like the Rockefeller Foundation, sought to appropriate the Green Revolution narrative to take their place in the international debate on technical assistance and development. There's an, an interesting, uh, you know, change to the uh, the way that we think of this green revolution, and it just made me question uh, if there was much research, uh, kind of historiography or knowledge on this green revolution in Latin America, and in, in other countries, or even in the rest of the world uh, that you were aware of. That's a very important question. Um, the first weight of historiographical analysis of the history of Green Revolution uh, establishes a chronology that marks uh, the start of the process during the 60s in Asia and precisely in India. That narratives denied the, the Latin American origins of this process of, of the Green Revolution and also denies the contribution of Latin Americans in former the, the model. So the biggest amount of historiography about this topic remains um, based on, on studies uh, in Asia. And just during the last two decades, um, the study of the Green Revolution got established as an important line of research in Latin America. At this moment, we uh, have uh, important studies for Colombia, for Costa Rica, but we remain um, um, in the necessity of explore how this process get established in the landscape of Latin America in order to explain how this is a process connected not just in a scientific trial, but also in a geopolitical and um, political with the national and regional planification in, in our region. Not explain how this process just start in Latin America and later go through the world, or how these processes are the same, the part of the of a biggest process, but different with our own qualities. Okay, I mean, it sounds like it's a. Uh a really important kind of contribution to the way we think about this Green Revolution, especially in global history. Uh, it sounds like research is really helping to, to advance this knowledge, um, which kind of brings me on to my next question, which is, uh, why does this history matter? Well, I think that beyond the historical dimension, uh, academic exchange continues to be an issue of our time. Through the 20th century, its main incentive was the training of experts in areas in which there was no significant accumulation of human and technical resources. However, once national institutions had been consolidated, exchange renewed its relevance to broaden the paths of knowledge production in the different fields of knowledge. In the modern world, it is impossible to think that nations are self-sufficient 
since dialogue and the crossing of perspective is permanent. In addition, the multiple parts of the Green Revolution deserve to be fully explored due to the implication that maintain in the present. Among them, the construction of academic curricula, the maintenance in the use of technological package associated with it, and the environmental consequences, which are evident in the contamination of the fields, the erosion of plant genetics, and the poisoning of the producers. My research has sought to contribute from the rescue of the centrality that academic exchange had for the accelerated dissemination of its principles. Great. And I really, I really like that answer uh, of the idea of, I guess, the value of, of academic exchange, the, the value of uh, interactions across kind of nations, across institutes. Um, you know, as most people that uh, do PhDs and that go on to academic jobs know that sometimes it can be very isolated and those those channels of communication can be broken down. So I think, you know, this is a really important contribution to, to change the way we think about or I guess add the way that we think about the value of, of sharing knowledge uh, across the world. Um, so thanks for that, that answer. Um, so to move on to the next question is, uh, what were the biggest challenges for you uh, during your PhD? Thank you for that question. Well, my main research challenge was undoubtedly the pandemic. For a long time, I was unable to visit archives or exchange with my colleagues. However, this situation became an incentive to conduct interviews, as I mentioned before. It is probably that without the pandemic, my thesis would not have emphasized the documentation of the student experience. And in that sense, the challenge became a contribution, a contribution for my research. In other words, uh, my dissertation had to be shortened, but I think that that also worked in my favor. Of course, I received a lot of help from my advisor and my colleagues in rethinking the work. Yeah, that's a, it seems like it's a common common response over the last few years of the pandemic being a you know, major challenge. Uh, it's great to hear that you, know, you, you worked your way through it and, and found some advantages in the end uh, from from the experience. Uh, hopefully, during your, your future research, that nothing similar happens again, such as a pandemic that that affects your work. Um, yeah, so I'll move on to the final question, uh, which is about what are you working on now? Thank you for your question. Um, in March next year, I will start a postdoctoral stay at the Centro de Investigaciones sobre América Latina y el Caribe at the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México. I will develop a research aimed to the study of the work and trajectory of the Guatemalan philosopher and guerrilla fighter Mario Palleras. This individual and his production has generally been recovered as a testimony of the guerrilla in Guatemala. But I intend to show that it is also an ecological critique of Western civilization. In this way, I propose to offer a new key to reading of Pallera's work that will allow us to recognize in him as a relevant thinker of social change in Guatemala. 
I'm very happy to start this new project that will allow me to continue working in the field of transnational history, but also join discussions about the global Cold War as Mario Palleras traveled to Mexico, Cuba, Romania, the Soviet Union, the German Democratic Republic, and North Korea. Great. Well, that's, uh, that concludes my, my questions. And uh, so, Diana, thank you again for your time and consideration to share your work with us. I hope this has been a useful opportunity for you to talk about your research with a different audience and to reflect upon your doctoral experience. Likewise, I hope that this podcast helps us to think more broadly about global history and the Green Revolution, specifically in Mexico and Latin America, as a way to increase our consideration and care for various people and places around the world. So thank you again. Thank you very much for this interview, Jordan. It has been a real pleasure. I hope that projects like yours help to strengthen the exchange between Mexico, Latin America, and the world related with global history. Excellent.